Welcome to Climb Your Mountain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use coaching, neuroscience, and mindfulness to overcome life's challenges. I'm Sarah Maurer, a certified life and performance coach, breathwork facilitator, and trance geek. Each week, I show you how to change your brain fast for good and without struggle. Whether you're training to climb an actual mountain, building a business, dating, or planning a fucking rebellion, these tools will help. Listen and learn so you can enjoy more of what you want. Happiness, fun, connection, creativity, courage, and the occasional mountaintop moment. Ready? Let's do this. Hello, all my dope-ass humans. How are you doing? I am doing good. I, um, <laughs> I'm almost afraid to jinx it, but I am doing really well with my long COVID, finally, after nine months of this shit. <laughs> and one thing that's really helping, I um, finally gave up on just going to my regular doctor who, I don't know, I, I should do a podcast episode about this sometime, but really wasn't terribly helpful. I'm like really the kind of person that's taking charge of like my own healing. I'm reading all the research, like what, what I'm asking, like what is helping people with long COVID? What is helping people with symptoms that are similar to mine? And like one of the things I kept like running up against was low dose naltraxone. And naltraxone is the drug that people take when they're, um, when they have a substance use disorder and they're trying to quit, um, usually uh, you can use it for opioids. It's an opioid receptor blocker. I might have said that wrong. (laughs) Um, People also use it for alcohol. And then at low doses, it's actually been helping people with chronic fatigue syndrome and then people with long COVID that have symptoms similar to chronic fatigue. So I asked my doctor, I'm like, I want to try this. I think this might be really good for me. Everything I've read, it seems like it's helping people like me. And he comes back at me with this song and dance. He's like, well, it's not really the standard of care. The research isn't really in. And I'm like, you know, the research is not going to be in to your liking probably for 10 more years. And I'm not waiting around (laughs) for you to just get your poop in a group and, you know, actually help people that have long COVID instead of like Kaiser was really big on, you need to learn to manage your symptoms and you need to learn. It was kind of like this thing, like where it's like almost like you need to like be less stressed out. It might like a lot of this stuff is, is in your head was kind of the message that was coming through. I don't know if that's the message they were trying to send. But anyway, so long story short, I kind of ditched Kaiser (laughs) and their whole program. I'm seeing a nurse practitioner who she is only working with COVID patients. She's only doing it on a concierge level. You have to pay for it. It doesn't go through insurance. But you know, at this point, I'm like, I'm willing to try it. And um, it's all telehealth. She lives in Maryland, I think. I can't remember exactly where she's at. But anyway, yeah. So she wrote me a prescription for low-dose naltraxone and also recommended a couple things, a couple supplements. Um, she was the one that talked to me about the histamine diet, at least trying to cut down on histamine a bit just because people with long COVID, their systems are often kind of revving and can't stop. And histamine is is one of the things that kind of revs your body up. So it's all about just like eating a more gentle diet. All that to say, I felt really good. <laughs> it's like, it was really strange. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but after about two days on the low dose naltraxone, which is supposed to take a while to work, I was told maybe about a month, 
after about two days of taking it, I woke up in the middle of the night and there was just like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was the weirdest feeling, like silence and stillness in my body that I don't think I've felt since like last fall before this all started. And I just like, it felt like so miraculous. And I remember just sitting there at three in the morning and I'm just like breathing into it. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) something is working. (laughs) And it's kind of been like that ever since. This is a very up and down disease. There are still ups and downs, but yeah, I've just been feeling a lot better. It's been a couple weeks now. So I I was like, I better not like really share that on the podcast or tell too many people because I'll jinx it, but it does seem to be more or less sticking. So (laughs) that's kind of what's going on with me. Uh, That was a long answer to the question, how am I, which you didn't even ask. You're here for our topic today. Today, we're going to be talking all about the low-info diet. This is actually a topic where the people have spoken. I asked on the Instagram, kind of, what do you want to hear next? Threw out a few ideas. I'm like, send me your ideas. So many votes for the low-info diet for the overwhelmed brain. Apparently, that's a concept that, that resonates. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about it. And this episode is falling at the perfect time in my life. I actually just was on vacation for a few days with a friend who I would say of all my friends, he has the highest info diet. This is a friend who loves to know things. He is kind of a renaissance man with many interests. I would say one of the things that makes him really cool is he's just so endlessly curious. He reads like four books a week. He has tons of hobby, tons of hobbies, everything from baking exotic breads to mixing vintage cocktails from the 20s. It's always really fun to go over to his house and see what he's making. And it was interesting because me, myself, I'm less interested in info or maybe I'm interested in it, but I'm the kind of person that likes to get deep rather than wide. And I'm also less interested these days in info than feelings. I would rather feel and experience everything than know everything while my friend is really excited about knowing lots of things. So this just like made being together for a few days like hilarious and really interesting because we had a lot of conversations that went like, have you seen this movie? And I I would be like, no. And he'd be like, but it's a classic. And I'm just like, you know, not in my world, Frank. I don't watch a lot of movies, to be honest. And then he would, um, he's also really big into the news. So he was like amazed at the things I didn't know about current events. Literally until I went on this vacation, I didn't know about the submarine with the, the tourists in it that imploded. He was like, like, like floored. He's like, how can you not know that? I'm like, I just, it's kind of, I kind of like knew there was something going on with the submarine, but it was like a little outside my awareness. And then um, we were talking a little bit about politics and Denver just had this mayoral race. We had the same mayor mayor for a long time, Hancock, who, I don't know, was kind of in bed with the developers and a lot of people didn't like. So it's been very exciting for his term limits to be up. And now we finally get a new mayor. And so the mayor's race was really hotly contested. We had like eight candidates and then there was a runoff between the top two. And I actually didn't know who won. I had voted in both the regular election and the runoff, but I didn't check to see if my candidate even won. So he was kind of blown away by that because that's like a huge thing in Denver where we live now. And then 
What was the other thing? Oh, Black Panther. Like, he was like, how can you not have seen the movie Black Panther? He was like making references and I was like not getting them. <laughs> I'm like, is this a joke? Like, like, I feel like I'm missing something. And he's like, you've seen Black Panther. I have not. <laughs> he's like, you've seen Wakanda forever. I didn't even know who Wakanda was. I'm like, I've heard of it. <laughs> and anyway, so this was kind of our conversation. And he, we got to the point where at one point he's like laughing and throwing up his hands. And he's like, I think we need an intervention for you. I want to stage an intervention just to bring you more back into the world. And I laughed. I'm like, that is funny. But I'm like, do we really need an inter- intervention? Like, excuse Frank, I'm just busy over here trying to figure out how to dissolve my ego and become one with all that is. I don't got time for Wakanda and submarines and all that shit. And even, I mean, I vote in the mayor race, but you know, once it's done, I can't do anything about it. So yeah. And then my other thought was that some of us really like to go deep, not wide. And my other, other thought was, is it also possible that I've been intentionally kind of keeping myself on this low information diet because it really serves me during this phase of life. And I I explained a little bit about that to him, kind of like, you know, why I kind of intentionally don't take in everything that I could take in. And I'm going to talk a little bit about with that with you today and just some ways that this can look, some ways you can think of it, some reasons you might want to try it. So let's start with what is a low information diet. I like to think of it is it's just intentional constraint about the information you consume, both the the types of information, like, you know, it might look like staying away th- from things that really are upsetting or emotionally charging, or if you're kind of a spiritual person, things that are bringing your vibe down. And for me, one thing it really looks like is just the overall quantity of the information is low. I intentionally kind of don't take in a lot of things that a lot of information into my brain for reasons I'll get into in just a minute. And I do this kind of in all areas. I don't consume a lot of news. I don't read a ton of books. Um, Don't look at a lot of websites. I do listen to a ton of podcasts. Like I would say if I could like cut back in one area, that's probably it. But I don't know. Like as I'll talk about in a minute, that also is how I get a lot of a lot of the information I want. Um, And this concept of a low information diet isn't mine at all. I first read about it in the four hour work week, which is a book by Tim Ferriss. And I still actually practice a few of the techniques he was talking about. And also my coach, Stacey Bayman has a podcast where she talks about just how constraining information is really good for you and really good for, especially when you're like really wanting to focus on something and work hard and go deep in one area. So I'll put some links up to some of those resources if they're interesting to you, but yeah, why consider, why even do a low information diet? And my thought is like, if this doesn't resonate with you, like shut this podcast podcast off right now. There's nothing good or bad about being on a low information diet. Obviously, my friend that I was on vacation with, like it's working so well for him. He just finds such joy, such delight in having a lot of information in his world, knowing a lot of things. And if that's you, I'm not telling you you're wrong or that you should do it a different way. 
But if you're finding at some level that you're really overwhelmed, really time starved, or if you're just really trying to focus on one big project, one area of life, and just finding that that's really difficult, a low information diet might be for you. So I'll give you some specific examples and reasons and random thoughts that I wrote down about the why you might want to do this. First one I kind of pulled out is about time. Time really is our most precious resource. It's the one that we can never get back. And honestly, if you look around our society, it's the one that most people in the Western um, world are, are kind of starving for. And I find that it's kind of changed for me across my lifespan. I consumed more info when I was young and free and only had myself to worry about. And now I find myself at age 47, running a business, caring for an aging parent, not at home, but you know, they're in, my mom lives in assisted living. I take care of a lot of her affairs. I spend a lot of time over there with her, kind of entertaining and visiting with her and Yeah, I also have a chronic illness, so that puts even more constraints on my time. I used to have probably about 10 productive hours in a day, and now probably I have more like seven or eight. As I talked about in the intro, that's improving gradually, but it is. I still have just like less time in a day for all the things I want to do. And also... I'm working on a project right now. I'm actually, I I actually, as of yesterday, officially did get certified. But um, yeah, for for the whole entire month of June, I've really been studying for my hypnosis certification. And it's a lot of info. It's hard to wrap my brain around. It's kind of difficult concepts. It's not stuff that comes to me really naturally. There's a practice element that needs to go into it. So it takes up a lot of the bandwidth in my brain (laughs) that otherwise like might be taken up with other information. So one thing I want you to think about if you're, if you're kind of listening and nodding along and going, yeah, this might be helpful for me. I feel overwhelmed or I feel like I just want to focus, go deeper in one area. um, Or I just feel like I want more time. One thing I just want you to consider is that every piece of info that you take into your brain, it takes time to consume it. And then it takes mental energy to integrate it to actually bring it into your brain, bring it into your memory system, and then push it back out into the places where you need it. Um, I talk a lot on this podcast about neuroplasticity and how your brain is always like wiring and rewiring and laying down new pathways and tearing up old ones. Yeah, and your brain, you know, it, it, it takes a bit of energy for it. It takes mental energy for it to lay down these new pathways and tear up old ones. It's one of the reasons that if you're working with me in private coaching, we talk a lot about just taking time to integrate, just taking time where you don't have a lot on your plate after a re- we make a really big change, have like a really powerful session. You really need time and rest and space for that all to integrate, for that all to kind of get all rewired and for all your networks to update. And if you think about like the typical American consuming information, they're reading the web, they're scrolling on their social media, and then they're listening to their podcast. Like (laughs) it really, yeah, we're just going, we're just like taking in, taking in, taking in and never taking time for all that stuff to integrate, all that stuff to fully, I mean, it's still happening, but yeah, because it's, it can feel very draining because we're not, 
like honoring the idea that it takes space, it takes time, it takes energy to integrate information. And it can like lead to that general feeling of overwhelm, exhaustion, burnout that so many of us experience. So, and I think like one thing, be having a chronic illness that is not chronic fatigue syndrome, but is somewhat similar. Um, one concept we, we really talk about is pacing. I actually have a pacing app on my phone because the idea is that if you do things um, at the right pace, not too much, then you'll be able to do more over the long run than if you're just like doing too much and then crashing, doing too much and then crashing, like pacing properly is the way to maximize that energy, get the most out of yourself, out of your day, whenever you have kind of a limited energy bucket. And I, I like one thing that I never really thought much about, like I'm very, as an athlete and a personal trainer, like very tuned into the physical piece. And I'm like, yeah, we need like physical rest to recover so that we can come back and be effective in the next workout. Um, but yeah, like the emotional and mental pieces also contribute to that overall fatigue and you actually have to keep track of them when you have a disease like a fatigue and a fatiguing illness like chronic fatigue syndrome like some people with long covid um and I had never really thought much about that. Like I had definitely noticed that like my emotional state could impact me in a workout, but I never thought about the overall emotional load over time or the overall like mental energy load over time that they both contribute to fatigue, that they both contribute, that, that they both go into that same bucket as our physical exercise, as our physical expenditures. So yeah, so yeah, like mental energy like can make us feel physically and mentally and emotionally tired if we're not taking time, if we're consuming too much information without taking time to allow it all to integrate. So I hope that made sense. That was a very long way to say that. But um, yeah, another way to think of it is we are cyclical beings who follow the cycle. Like um, I always talk a lot about as humans, we're really connected to the earth in ways that we don't even realize. It's just like the earth has... Um, cycles, like the tides that go in and out, the phases of the moon, the seasons, like humans have cycles. There's, there's cycles inside of us. And um, women in particular have this really obvious cycle, but men also have a cycle that is like our, their energy changes throughout the day. Um, it's funny. Uh, there's like a saying that men <laughs> have a one day cycle and women have a 28 day cycle. I don't have, know a lot of science behind that, but I just think it's, it's an interesting concept. But because we are cyclical, that means that we are not designed to be always on. We're designed to be on and then off and then on and then off. And that it's kind of this beautiful flow that goes back and forth. And we don't really do super well, you may have noticed, in this world that's like barfing information at us 24-7, like where our, <laughs> we can always pick up the phone and scroll through social media, even at three in the morning, or turn on the news, or even just turn on a movie, watch whatever we want. Um, yeah, it's so overstimulating to our system. And so having these, either a low information diet, or even if you don't go that far, just taking periodic breaks from information is so helpful for us. And I kind of think of it as, um, it's kind of like my chronic illness and the healing that goes with that. Like I, I talked about in the 
intro how I'm trying out a high his what am I what am I saying a low histamine diet and I may not need to be on that like for my entire life I kind of hope not because it's like you can't eat tomatoes and you can't you're not supposed to drink coffee I drink a little bit like way less than I used to and it's kind of like beans and eggs and a lot of things that I really enjoy I, I um, I'm not supposed to eat a whole lot of them and I really hope at some point like I'll my body will be at a place where I, I will feel fine just going back to a higher histamine diet but for now it's feeling really good to eat lower histamine. And I kind of think of inflammation as the same way. There just may be seasons where your system just needs a little break from all that information and all the mental energy that goes with consuming and integrating that. And we haven't even really talked about like the emotional impact that comes with that, like watching a lot of news and the news kind of like our human brain tends to focus on the negative. It has a negativity bias and it can just really have like a heart, be hard on our hearts, be hard on our emotions. Same thing with social media. Like whenever you're in a place in your life that's kind of rough and you're scrolling through Instagram and every picture is a friend's vacation and they're on a romantic vacation and there's a sunset and they're there with their romantic partner having this beautiful time, having a beautiful dinner. It's all like hashtag blessed I don't know, like when I'm in kind of a shitty place, like I don't like looking at that. (laughs) I don't like like just looking at hundreds of those as I scroll through my feed. So there is an emotional component that goes with all this information consumption too. So if I've kind of got you like on the bandwagon of either trying a low information diet full time or taking information breaks, like maybe you just take a weekend, maybe you just take a few days where you're going to limit information, limit the incoming that's coming into your brain. What does this look like? (laughs) So I'm going to share a couple of examples from my life. Some of these may land with you. You might be like, yeah, I think that might help me a lot. Some of them may not land with you. You're like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I could take or leave that one, probably leave. I really want you to want to encourage you just to use these for inspiration. And then also, so, and take the ones that work for you, and then also to come up with your own ways to limit information because it's going to be so individual for each person, right? And as I'm thinking through, you know, ways to limit consumption, I'm kind of following two principles. The first one is the principle of constraint. I learned this principle from a coach called Brooke Castillo. She has a podcast about it. I will drop a link in the show notes for those of you who want to check it out. And she's and and like her kind of premise is that like people who are really high achieving, who are really excellent in one area, need to kind of do less in other areas in that intentional constraint can be like a path to greatness, a path to happiness, a path to more contentment and satisfaction in your life. And I find this to be so true. So Brooke is so funny. She's like, when you see her on video, she always looks amazing. And she's like, yeah, I only shop at one store and I do it online. And yeah, I like don't even like let myself look at like other stuff because that's just one of the ways I make making my life constrained so that I have all that energy to put into the projects that are really important to me my personal life, travel, all the things she likes to do. So principle of constraint is a big part of this. I also love the principle of self-trust. And I want you to 
really kind of start grasping onto the idea that all the intelligence, all the information that you need is already inside of you. Everything you need is already inside of you. All the creative ideas, all the resources, they're not out there on the internet. They're not out there in a book. They're not out there in your friend Sally. It's inside of you. And like any other information you take in is just gravy because you don't really need it. (laughs) So I think that as I start, the more I lean into that concept, that idea, that self-trust, the more that the more easy it becomes to kind of like limit external information and not get this crazy sense of FOMO, like, oh my gosh, what am I missing? What do I not know? Which can also come up when you're pursuing this. So yeah. So what does this look like for me? Let me just give you all my examples. So yeah, like one, one of the big things that I constrain is news. I used to all through the pandemic, be like a huge like news watcher, CNN watcher, MSNBC watcher. And it just created a lot of anxiety for me. I'm like knowing all this stuff, which honestly, like if you watch like cable news, <laughs> they don't go like deep into anything. It's all like so surface level anyway. And yeah, just like knowing it would make me really anxious and really distracted and create a lot of just like emotional turmoil for me. So I got rid of all that. Really, the only news sources, as my friend (laughs) realized on this trip that I take in, are two podcasts. And they're not necessarily politically balanced as far as news, but they're the two that give me the most joy and the least emotional difficulty to listen to as I consume my news. And I don't, I don't, I'm a big believer that Um, There's a lot of spiritual people that are like, just cut the news out completely like that 3D. That's like 3D world stuff. You don't need it. And I mean, I want to respect that belief on one hand. But on the other hand, I want to hold the idea that as spiritual people, like it is important for us to, (laughs) we live in a a world that has things happening, that has injustices, that has problems, that has things that we can be helpful with through our choices, through our voices, through the way we bring up our kids, through all kinds of, through volunteerism. So I'm a big believer that knowing some news is 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 a wonderful choice. I don't believe that it brings my vibe down and causes me to manifest all kinds of shit. <laughs> I think it brings my vibe up. I think that living in a world where I understand about injustice and can maybe make some choices that, you know, help with that. Maybe run my business in a way that is inclusive. Maybe speak on my podcast in I always feel like I fuck it up, but I really try to speak in ways that feel inclusive and always be learning. So I do think on one hand that's important and that that's a big part of consuming the news for me is just understanding what's happening in the world so I can interact with it in an intelligent way. 
And yeah, it, it, like if you really want to dive deeper into this, um, if you remember Marianne Williamson ran for president a couple years ago, she's a spiritual teacher that's been around for a long time, written many books. If you're, you may or may not be familiar with her, she actually ran for president. And there was a lot of like, <laughs> I think backlash against that in some parts of the spiritual community. So if you want, I, if I can find it, I'll pull up a podcast where she talks about why she thinks it's important for spiritual people to be involved in politics, that you're, in her view, a light worker, you're here to do good, you're here to make change. It's it's pointless if you go through all this personal growth and keep it for yourself. So I'll pop that up um, if you're interested. So I want you to hold in one hand that knowing some news can be really good. I really do believe that deep in my heart. I also want you to hold in the other hand that it is completely fine if you need to take a break from all news for however long you need to take it. Like, I think that can also be excellent for your mental health. I've actually, like, through this whole pandemic thing, kind of cut the news out for weeks at a time um, as I've been walking through that. And now, like I said, I listen to these two podcasts, but I don't do a whole lot else with the news. Um, And it really has done wonders. Like, I feel much less anxious um, and just, like, more able to really interact and consume with and take in and integrate the news that does come to me, which is much less than it used to. And because these sources, I think, are higher quality, it comes in on a deeper level and really gives me some ideas about how this news matters and what I can do with it in my life. So that's news. So as far as streaming, I have one streaming service at a time. (laughs) So you think about all the ones that are out there. There's Hulu, there's HBO Max, there's Discovery Plus, there's Peacock, there's Paramount Plus, there's Disney. There's like so many. (laughs) And for a while, I, I had like four. And I'm like... Yeah, it's a waste of money because I really only have time to really go deep with one at a time. And after a while, like, you know, you have it and it's it, there's like a lot of the same stuff on there. It doesn't change all that fast. Um, so I just decided I was going to do one at a time. And it's really interesting. It does, This one uh, like creates some FOMO for me because if there's a show that's popular, like right now I have Hulu. That's the one I'm deep into. And I'm watching all the seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race. And it's really fun. One of my favorite shows. But um, yeah, like <laughs> I, there's like a show on Netflix that someone that a lot of people are talking about, which I couldn't even name it. Like I like always ask them and it's the same name, which I can't remember. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, we can't believe you've seen this show. And they're like having conversations with inside jokes from the show. And because I don't have Netflix, I didn't even know this exists. I literally like don't even know what they're talking about. So there is a little bit of FOMO that goes with that. But it is nice from an information and money standpoint, just to be like really focused on one streaming service. Here's a magic one. When you have a question about anything, consult one trusted source and no more. I think like whenever we have a question about parenting or about how to train for an ultra race or about how to eat better. Like there's this tendency to like just start going on the internet and like reading lots of articles, like reading blogs by all the gurus. And then you go out and get some books and then you download like a bunch of podcasts. And really sometimes like there's so much information that it's like impossible to integrate it all. And you kind of grind to a standstill. So here's what I recommend 
doing instead. Find like one source, like you could ask yourself, if I could ask like one person like this question, who would it be? And then you go out and find one resource by them, whether it's a book, a website, YouTube video, whatever, consume that, and then kind of lean on that self-trust that, you know, you already know everything you need to know. Whatever this person says is just gravy. So some examples of that from my own life, um, I'm actually studying right now in hypnosis class, this process where you learn how to dissolve your ego and become one with all that is, which is such an amazing concept. And I I guarantee you, when you do it, it feels so good. I actually did it for the first time this morning with my morning prayers group. I did it in a group setting. And yeah, I'm like, ah, this is just the coolest thing ever. But it, it was such a hard one for me to understand, for me to find the right words. There's kind of, there's, one teacher that um, she's the one who originated the technique and like when you read her script it like blows my head off it's like ask your ego if it would like to dissolve into the awareness of all that is that is infinite and can and I'm just like what did she just like say (laughs) I need to really like learn to simplify this to put it in my words that's just kind of how I operate so my teacher Melissa Tears is really she's from New York so her joke is she's really good at making the short version of all techniques so I actually just watched a video of Melissa like leading a group through this and yeah it's about like she's using just very simple language but what every word kind of hits it's it's just really amazing so yeah so she was my go-to source and I stopped like trying to watch a million videos of the originator and like different teachers teaching it on YouTube I just watched Melissa and I'm like I'm just gonna do it like that and trust that I'm also going to put my own spin on it, which will be very beautiful. So another area, I kind of talked about voting earlier in this podcast, and it's so funny. Like, I actually got this this tip from Tim Ferriss. He's like, a lot of times when you're voting, there's a lot of issues, there's a lot of candidates. In Denver, we vote on judges, should we retain them? So when we get our ballots, like even like a local election, the ballot's quite long. It's usually several pages and oh my gosh, it can be very overwhelming. And you could spend so much time like going online, like reading all the news, learning about all the candidates and the issues. So here's two shortcuts for that. So for me, we have a website called Denverite that makes this really comprehensive guide every time there's an election in Denver or in Colorado. I think they even do some of the federal elections. So usually I just go to Denverite and they have like these totally concise summaries and I read the ones I want to read and then I vote. I don't look at any other websites. And so Tim Ferriss, his his idea was find your most like politically astute friend, the one that cl- most closely matches your beliefs and just ask them who to vote for. So I have a friend like that named Alex, who's like used to be very involved in local politics. Um, He actually, he actually had this horrible thing happen where he was crossing the street and got hit by a car in Denver. And it was because there was a, a, like a walk sign that was malfunctioning. So after he recovered from getting hit by this car, he went on this like 
year-long one-man crusade to like get the local government in Denver, which honestly hasn't been great the last few years. He went on a crusade to get them to fix that sign and finally got it fixed. But yeah, he's he like understands a lot about how things work and the different personalities because he pays attention to that. He's like another one that has like a high information diet. <laughs> and so as someone on a low information diet, take advantage of your friends that are into that. Like, yeah, you can ask them, like, who should I vote for? And yeah, if you basically have the same beliefs, if that's someone you trust, I really don't do any other research outside of asking Alex, unless I read Denverite. So voting, another area where it comes up for me is ultra running. Um, Yeah, like anytime you're training for a sport, being a personal trainer, I can tell you, there's like just a million different training plans, um, philosophies, like how do you get really good at ultra running? And they do kind of all eventually coalesce into these kind of common conventions that most coaches follow. And yeah, like, so you could, but there's still a lot of areas where there's not a lot of consensus. So you could spend so much time just out there reading about what works, what do all the experts say. It's also true that what works for one person doesn't work for another person. So yeah, like it it becomes really hard to find information that actually works for you. So my answer to that is I just go and see what Jason Koop says about ultra running. And I have a few resources by him. I, I actually have his ultra running certification and all the materials with that. So that's often where I go first. And he also has like a really thick book. So sometimes I'll, I'll also, if it's not in the certification, I'll also just double check in his book, but mostly the certification course, which is online like is where I go. And and I don't allow myself really to study any other coaches, um, go down any other rabbit holes. And I also know just from experience that Jason Koop's method works for me really well. I've tried a couple of different ones. So yeah, I'm like, why would I go anywhere else? This is, It's always just easiest and saves me the most energy just to check with Jason. So... What else? Low information diet, other examples. So <laughs> I wrote this one down. I'm like, should I share this? And I'm like, yes, I'm going to. Just in the name of honesty. <laughs> like, yeah, not consuming videos or reading articles that people send me unless I like see, I like look at what it is and can't wait to open it. So this probably is, if you're on social media, this is probably true for you. Like your friends will send you like random videos, like little things. And it's really nice. It's coming from a nice place. I'm like, oh, they thought of me. And like me, like opening this and watching it takes like 10 seconds out of my flow when I'm doing something else. So often I just like won't watch it. I hope that's okay. (laughs) If you're someone that sends me lots of videos. I do watch them sometimes, but often I'm just like, like, and then I write thank you and just go on with whatever I'm doing. (laughs) It's just, it's not you. It's me. It's all part of my low information diet. Kind of along with that, I'm not big on taking recommendations. There's two friends that I kind of, whenever they're like, hey, you will like this podcast, I actually go and listen to it. And these are people 
that for whatever reason, just like know me really well. And they're just also really good at like recommending things. They're not just doing it off the top of their head or telling me that it's good because they like it. They're actually telling me because it's something I would like. This is not a talent I have, by the way. I never, I try never to recommend stuff to people unless I'm like so called to do it. But yeah, I I definitely don't like, um, yeah, a lot of times people will just throw recommendations out there and I just say thank you and just don't like release myself from having to go check that out if it doesn't appeal. Some of you are probably like, of course you don't check it out. Like, why would you? I definitely grew up in a household where boundary issues extended into the realm of we all have to like the same books, the same music. And you can imagine like what a shit show that is when you have a teenager. If if them if you if you feeling like they love you depends on them liking your music, that's never gonna happen. So I don't know. Like it's just I remember that being a, a huge area of friction. Like when I grew up, that I think still stays with me. So maybe that's why. Maybe I'm weird in this way. But yeah, my friend that I was on vacation with sent me like a long list of New York Times bestsellers that I will probably honestly not read. But it's really nice of him thinking of me to send it. So yeah, here's another huge one. I think this is such a game changer. Boundaries around your phone. So some rules I have for the phone. The ringer is off 90% of the time, unless I'm expecting a call like from my mom or her doctor or her care manager, it's probably off. So I don't, if you text, if you call, I probably don't see it. If I do, if a text does pop up, like whenever I'm like actively using it, a lot of times I won't answer right away um, just because I want to be like in a space where I'm ready in order to interact to answer. Um, Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's the way it is for like voicemail. For a long time, I didn't set my voicemail up when I got a new phone. And it was only like when we had some disaster in the building and they're like, we tried to leave you a voicemail so you would know this crucial information. Like this is the management company. They're like, but you don't have voicemail. So now (laughs) my voicemail actually, I set it up and it actually says something like I don't listen to voicemail like if you have this number and you want me to, to know something, text it to me. <laughs> and some people like, like, I like text and they're like, oh my gosh, your voicemail is so funny. I've always been wanting to say that. And some people get kind of pissed. <laughs> like my mom's psychiatrist got kind of pissed and he's like, well, I have a lot of information to share that takes a long time to text, but you know, like, like you, you don't listen to voicemail. I'm like, well, just send me a text and be like, Hey, can you call me? <laughs> like, good Lord. <laughs> I don't understand. Anyway. Yeah. I have kind of rules about like where the phone can go and, and it can, it can come into the bedroom. It can come to meditation time, but only for specific purposes, things like playing music, things like playing a guided meditation. In the in both of those spaces, there's no scrolling, there's no Instagram. If I open it, which I do by habit sometimes, I have to shut it right away, even if the world's coolest picture pops up. 
And then kind of along those lines, I think boundaries around social media in general is helpful. So I only do one social network. It's Instagram. That's the one I chose it because it's the one I most like sharing and interacting on. I kind of ghost post on TikTok. I post, but I don't really look at my own stuff, but I don't really look at anyone else's stuff, which I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a bad practice. That's like bad karma. I should probably just like leave it alone if I'm not going to be an active participant. I do check Facebook once a week just because that is where I have like the most connections to real world people. So I'll kind of pop on and just see if anyone sent me a message, see what's going on with some of my friends and but not overdo it. I check LinkedIn like once a year, (laughs) usually something to do with work. I'll like think of it. Um, And is there a social cost to, yeah, like not being on all the platforms, not reading all the updates? I will say yes. Like I definitely have some FOMO. Like I'm like, oh, shoot. And sometimes something will happen with a friend that's fairly big that I'll miss. And yeah, like I'm like, so I kind of like at some sometimes like when I'm feeling that have to sit with myself and say, you know, it's there is a cost. I don't like like missing out on some of the things that are happening with my friends. You know what I don't like even more? Feeling like overwhelmed and time starved all the time, <laughs> which is what I would be feeling if I kept up with all those updates. That's unfortunately just what it takes in today's world. And yeah, like like one place it happened recently, our hypnosis class has a Facebook group. That's how everyone like keeps in touch and bonds and gets to know each other. And because I'm not on Facebook, I'm like literally like never on it. I think I've checked it like twice (laughs) and I'm like, oh, they're all in there like making friends and being like one big happy hypnosis class. And I'm like this outsider that doesn't leave Instagram. But yeah, like if I was on there, I would be miserable, right? I would just be like overwhelmed, time starved. Like it's, it's kind of like choose your suck with social media, I feel like. And the suck I choose is to really constrain what I do on there. And yeah, just to, just to, um, yeah, stick to one platform and really not too many minutes a day. One other thing I'll bring up, especially for those of you who are maybe building businesses, like, or just in a really deep learning phase for something where you're working online with teachers. Um, I, I have like a business coach. I have, I'm in a hypnotism cert. Um, I'm, you know, in a couple of different programs right now where I'm learning. And I think like, actually, one thing I need to look at is like program constraint. I really would like to just be in one thing at a time, focused on one teacher, one learning. Mostly that's been hypnosis class this month, but some of the other stuff still creeps in. And what I noticed at one point was I have all these teachers. I'm listening to all their podcasts. I'm getting all their sales emails (laughs) and not necessarily sales emails, but all the emails to their list. Sometimes they're just sending out freebies and tips and, you know, interesting things that I want to read. But yeah, I had like probably six of them at one point and I was just completely getting overwhelmed. I was spending like an hour a day, like reading their emails and then probably so much more time, like listening to their podcasts. So yeah, like I'm, I've gotten it down to like two and I think it would probably be smart to just get it to one at a time, kind of like with, um, with the, 
um, TV streaming services, <laughs> just one coach at a time, I will consume their content. And that's an opportunity to go really deep with it, which I think is really awesome, really special. So friends, that is um, a lot of the things I do when I'm trying to constrain the amount of information in my brain. Again, is there a cost to this type of constraint? Yeah. And there's a cost to every every life choice, right? I mean, if it wasn't like FOMO, it would be like losing out on time or using up my mental energy. And I would so much rather have bandwidth to go deep on a few topics than to know about a lot of topics. And I also want to say this is just kind of a snapshot of me right now. It's not necessarily permanent. I really think that it's possible as you move through your life and the stages of your life, you're going to ebb and flow with this information thing. And it may be just a, a matter of asking yourself, what do I need right now? Do I need information or do I need like less information? And really allowing yourself to lean in to the times when it just makes sense to have less information and just to do that without shame, to remember there's a cost to everything and that, yes, there may be a little bit of FOMO, but what you're really, what are you getting out of it? You're freeing up mental energy. It may be good for your health. It may be good for your anxiety. It may be good for your focus, just to have less information in your life. So friends, I hope that makes sense. I hope this was interesting and fun to listen to. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just like rambling about my life. Do they really care? (laughs) But I hear from a lot of you that that there's, there's at least some stuff in here that's so helpful. So I will continue to ramble. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you next time I feel called to record an episode. Have an awesome day, awesome week, and talk to you soon.